I'm not going to preach this morning. The theme of our service is God's faithfulness, and I don't think there's any better way to kind of viscerally walk away from this service, knowing how God's been faithful through new community than actually hearing from uh, some folks in our church. So I have a, a handful of folks who I've asked to share, to answer just very specifically, how have I experienced God's faithfulness through New Community Covenant Church? Uh, and they just have a few minutes to just give us a little window into how God has been faithful. So our first uh, testimony share today is Shelby. Can you welcome Shelby to come on up? You're going to hear this morning from uh, folks who've been around for a long time, folks who are relevant. When did you come to New Community? 2013. So Shelby may be kind of on the, on the younger end of those who've been around the church. Um, but yeah, so just listen to these stories and be ministered to as we experience God's faithfulness to our church. Good morning. As some of you know, a year ago, I started applying to law schools. Um, when the process started, I wasn't really planning on staying in Chicago. Um, I applied to 14 schools total, and two of them were in Chicago, and Chicago has six law schools, so odds weren't that high. The first school I visited was Denver. I really liked the school. I went hiking. I loved it. It's beautiful. And I had a friend from college who had moved to Denver, and we met up one night for dinner, and we hadn't really seen each other since graduation, so we were catching up from the past two years, and I talked about moving into the city and finding this great church and this great small group and just some of the stories of things we had done. Um, And as we're talking, she looks at me and she goes, why do you want to leave Chicago? You have a really good thing going, and I haven't found that since graduation. So on my plane ride back, I really started to think about my past two years, and I contemplated my small group. And on the surface, it seemed like we shouldn't even be friends. We're um, all from different backgrounds. We're at different stages in life. Some of us are married. Some aren't. And when I first started attending this small group, I was worried that I wouldn't really connect with them. Um, But then my notion of what a small group could look like and be really started to change. In my past church experiences of small groups, you were placed with someone the same age, the same gender, and the same life stage, and you were led by someone a little older. And this kind of reinforced to me that you had to have all these things in common to really connect. This is where I was wrong. Over the past two years, I've learned that you don't need to be in the same life stage to help someone move into a new home, or to share a favorite TV show, or to grieve a death together, or to celebrate a marriage. Or even hold someone accountable to go to their yearly checkup at the doctor, which happened recently in our small group. Um, I realized over the past two years, I found a community, and not through any huge life-altering moment, but simply from showing up and doing life with them day in and day out. In the small events as well as the big ones, I've experienced community in a new way that I think exemplifies what the church should look like. And in the end, I took this into consideration as I made my law school decision, and I'll be attending Loyola here in Chicago in the fall. Thank you. Hey, everybody. My name is Dennis. Um, I came here in late 2012. I think it was November. Um, And God's faithfulness to me 
started uh, before I had even heard of uh, New Community. As I was preparing to, well, as God prompted me to leave D.C., where I had lived for about 15 years, um, I rebelled and said no, and then eventually, um, through a dream, I just felt compelled to finally say yes and said, okay, God, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Um, And within a week, a friend of mine who lived nearby had offered me a place to stay if I needed it, and I was already in a place that I had been in for a while, and it didn't make sense. Um, A couple days later, my landlord announced that he was selling the house that I lived in. And um, as a result, uh, we had to move out within two months. But he announced that because he was kicking us out so um, abruptly, we would have those two months free. And he would give us back our deposit. So within a couple of weeks, I had a place to stay in the interim and a couple of months' rent and a deposit to help in my move. Um, After a few months had passed, I announced to my job that I was leaving. And uh, my boss was very upset. Um, But she said, uh, you work for the city and you have all this leave that you will lose. Um, So why don't you just go on extended sick leave for about three months? And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then when you're ready, just come back and completely close out. Um, so, <laughs> within a few months, I had money, a place to stay in the interim, and also um, three months of time to look for a job while I was living in D.C., or while I was living in Chicago, without worrying about money. And on my D.C. salary, which was significantly higher than Chicago's cost of living. <laughs> so... Um, Around the fourth month that I was preparing to transition, a friend of mine who lived here said that I could come stay with him for free once I moved. So I had, a, a, I had money and a place to stay, and like, all this stuff was just falling into place. Um, and when I announced at my former church, National Community Church, um, that I was moving here, a friend of mine um, who worked for Young Life DC says, hey, I have this friend in Chicago who works for Young Life Chicago. Her name is Kalia. And uh, you should connect with her to find out, you know, some places you should check out. So um, I, I never, absolutely never follow up on leads like this because I'm, I'm an introvert and I don't reach out to people like that. But something led me to reach out to Kalia. And Kalia and I, like, we spoke a little bit. We talked about places to visit, neighborhoods, restaurants, that kind of thing. And she also just sort of threw in there an invitation to her church. So the first week that I lived in Chicago, I decided to visit her church. Um, When I was preparing to move here, I was dreading the idea of church shopping for a year, which is about how long it usually takes. Um, But God and his faithfulness brought me to the church that would become my church home the very first weekend that I was in this city. And that, to me, was uh, the final evidence of his faithfulness in bringing me to a church and a community within a week of my living in a place which I had never experienced before. So um, I just want to say thank you to you all, to Kalia, um, um, for, uh, for just blessing me and for being my community and for being the evidence of God's mercy and his grace and his favor and his faithfulness in my life. Hi, my name's Crystal. Um, so 
about three summers ago, right before I joined this church, I was in a bit of a, I would say, hopeless state when it, come, when it came to anything related to church. Um, six or seven months before that, I had made a very painful decision to leave a church that I loved a lot. Um, after experiencing a lot of hurt and um, some differences of opinion when it came to leadership and other things like that, my husband Juan and I spent six or seven months, um, Dennis calls it church shopping, I think I called it church hopping, um, going to different churches um, from one to another, trying to find one that fit what we were looking for. Um, we wanted to find a church that wasn't all that big um, because it suited our personalities better. Um, and we wanted to find a church that very openly and very explicitly cared about and talked about some of the things that God had been teaching us um, and putting on our hearts um, particularly issues of justice and reconciliation. Um, by the end of six months, six or seven months, it got really hard to get up. I'll, I'll be honest, it got really hard to get up in the morning on a Sunday and think, I'm going to go to a church, not know anybody, start all over again, maybe meet someone, maybe leave before it's over, um, because that's just a really hard thing to do. Um, and I'm also an introvert like Dennis. Um, I know there's no such thing as a perfect church, but I think I was looking for what f would feel like the closest thing to, um, because I was looking to um, find a place where I could mend some of the hurt that I felt from leaving the church that I was at before. Um, I think at some point um, that summer, I resigned myself to the fact that I just probably wouldn't find a place um, that would ever feel like real home um, on a Sunday, and it would just sort of be okay. Um, Every place that we visited um, sort of felt like it didn't really fit um, what we wanted or there was just something that didn't feel right about it. Um, and it, as weeks went on, it went really, it, it became harder and harder and more unsettling to feel church homeless is what I kept telling people I felt. Um, I don't think I realized at that point, and I probably didn't want to admit to myself how much I really wanted to belong to a church again, even though that was for me a pretty painful thing at the time. Um, I was five years out from a church, a super strong faith community in college, um, and I got to the point where I think I was really, really looking for that again. Um, in that period, we visited this church probably two or three times, um, and I remember telling my husband every time we went home, like, this place feels strangely familiar to me, even though there's lots of faces that I don't know. Um, we actually knew Pastor David and Maggie before... Um, coming to this church um, and met with them a few times and had really, really honest conversations. I asked every question I could think of about this church um, and shared a lot about what, um, how I was hurt and the things that I was really hesitant about um, settling into a new church and um, all that that would mean. Um, in the end, we decided um, to plant ourselves here. And I think um, as one of the first big things that Juan and I decided together it's maybe the best, one of the best decisions that we've ever made. Um, I'm really, really, really thankful and very blessed by the community here and everything that I've learned from everyone here. I think coming from a place where um, church was a hard place for me to be and a hard place for me to worship, I'm particularly really thankful for Pastor David and Maggie and his family and the relationship that Juan and I have with them um, because I think that it helped heal my heart in lots of ways in what church means and serving and committing to church and all that's wrapped up in that. Um, we were driving back from retreat last week, and I was thinking about 
all the life change that's happened for me and for Juan in the last three years. Going back to school, graduating from school, planning a wedding, getting married, getting a dog, settling in a new neighborhood, starting a career, making changes in that career. Um, this church family has a, been a really big part in all of those changes and in supporting us in all of those things. I think it was, I feel really cheesy saying this, but I think it was exactly what we needed to have around us um, in the times where those changes were really hard. Um, and to, it was exactly who we needed to be around us to celebrate with um, in those moments when it was really good. Um, so I'm really thankful to be here, and I'm really glad to be here. And um, I think I'm going down. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Regina, and some of the people around here now call me Mama Regina. Um, which is part of my testimony. And most of you have heard a lot of my testimony because I'm also, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Michelle's mom. So uh, <laughs> I've been around New Community in various iterations for a really long time. And coming to Bronzeville was very interesting to me because the whole time that I've, I've been in California, I mean, I was transplanted from California by my lovely daughter, who I have to tell you all was in utero when I was doing confrontational drug rehabilitation therapy um, <clears throat> and working very diligently night and day at a drug program, and she got every bit of all the kind that was there in a nice way. She said it, shaking her head, in a nice way. So when she and Carlos got married and decided they would get ready to plan their family, they came home and asked if, uh, the first question was, do you like Chicago. And I'm like, it's okay, yeah. And then it was, can you, you know, do you want to come and live with us? Uh, we're thinking about playing our family, and we'd like to have you, yada, yada, yada. And I said, yeah, well, oh, let me think about it. But, because I, I really love California. Uh, <laughs> it's the best, Bay, it's from Francisco Bay Area has the best weather in the world. So. But anyway, I came, I've been here for almost now 10 years, and it's been a very difficult transition. And I'm used to transitioning. I've lived in about four or five states. Uh, her father was an epidemiologist, and we bounced around the country like military people. And so um, transitions were my forte. We also moved around in California for a few times. And so I thought, yeah, transition, another move. But coming to Chicago was not only a cultural change and shock for me. Um, having lived in California for 22 years, the weather was interesting. Again, I, mind you, Michelle was born in Syracuse, New York, so I'm not, I was not, uh, uh, you know, didn't know cold weather, but had not been in it for a long time. I say all that to say that this transition has been one of, probably one of the most difficult transitions it is, has been the, the most difficult transition in my life. Uh, my daughter and I vowed we'd never live together as adults. Uh, I love her dearly. <laughs> but I also, you've probably heard about the radical black nationalist woman that raised her. Uh, there was a time when I would not have smiled and talked to many of you who don't look like me. Um, 
coming here, I knew about the, the, the covenant and uh, the, uh, the value that they place on racial reconciliation and social justice. I've known that for a long time. But actually coming and sitting first in the theater, actually, was when I first experienced a uh, new community. And then at Logan Square, and then doing the transition here, I have had struggle and have, my prayer always is, God, put me where you would like for me to be. Give me a real clear sign, because you know who you have. I don't listen. I think that I know what I need to do. And so just break all of that down and keep me where I need to be. I'm here. It'll be 10 years and another couple of years. <laughs> and what I've had the privilege and God's grace of having to learn is that I can maintain who I am. I can be that nationalist person. I just came back from an Incopra conference. I got back at 3 o'clock this morning. Uh, I can be honest about who I am and how I feel about the state of this country, the state of this world. I have Pastor David X, who <laughs> is an awesome person, an awesome man, and who is one of the reasons, the primary reason that I'm still at New Community. Because I was going to Trinity. I knew that at Pastor Rev. Wright's church, I could do and say and whatever I needed. Every time I got ready to go, you know, I don't like to get up. I, I have a, a sound sensitivity also. If you ever want to torture me, put me in a room with some loud noise. And, and if you really want to do it, put me in a room with some crazy music. And I, that, that'll get me. So I went to Trinity. And the last time I was there, I experienced some just wonderful praise and worship. And a woman who was so fulfilled that she was screaming to the top of her voice. And she was in an off uh, a side overflow room. So there was, you know, they had mics in there for people to respond. And I was sitting there going crazy. I'm like, this is not it. This is not it. Went to another covenant church that was much smaller. Uh, um, Debbie Blue, who most of you know, I've been honored and privileged to meet her through my daughter, and we've become good friends. They had a very small church. And I don't know why people in very small churches feel like they need to use microphones. Uh, <laughs> and no, I mean, really, the room was not this big. And, um, and, and, and the pastor was wonderful, but he had a very vibrato kind of voice in and of itself. And so I said, this is not it. <laughs> So I, I've had these kinds of experiences. I've, I've, I've come, though, to realize that God had put me exactly where I needed to be, both living with my daughter, with my beautiful grandchildren, my wonderful son-in-law, who I love dearly, and who we can have wonderful, wonderful conversations and wonderful, wonderful clashes, as do I and my daughter. So... <laughs> But it is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be, I was supposed not to run away during the church plant and to be in Bronzeville 
to be here with Pastor David, with, you, with, with the congregation here, with you young people, because my other conflict was I am the oldest person in the church. Uh, I can probably be grandma to most of y'all. But <laughs> I recognize that through social, the, the tenets behind social justice and racial reconciliation run so deeply in this community church and that I can't go anywhere because I feel like I can speak my mind, I can help people understand from a perspective of someone who's lived iteration after iteration after iteration of what we still see now and perhaps help them see race, racism, white supremacy, and all of those other things that we're plagued by in this country in a really different way. And so I'm really grateful to be here. I'm grateful to God who did listen to me, who led me and did not let me leave. And I guess I'm in. <laughs> Good morning. Um, my name is Sonia. And David gave us really strict directions that we were to focus on one topic for our story. And I did that, but I am going to break it. Because before I go into my story, which I will just read to you, um, this, the other thing that continues to be on my heart that I think is important just to highlight today is um, God's faithfulness to me is right here in the fact that we exist as a church. We come together on Sundays. We have community groups. We have events. We get to do service projects together. If you, and I'm sure many of you are very innovative and you know, go-getters, when you start something new, there is no guarantee that it lasts. right? There are multiple aspects that go into it. There are the technical things, financial things, people-related things. Like You need all that. And so to me, the fact that we meet, I, like every Sunday we get to say, hey, I'm going to church, and that's New Community Brownsville, that's God's faithfulness to me. All right, now to the assignment. Um, I had been attending New Community, Logan Square, up north for four years when the launch meetings for Brownsville uh, took place. I had moved north despite working and teaching on the south side to try and be more active in church. Still, I began to attend these meetings for this church plant thing that was proposed. And I distinctly remember one conversation where we shared who we wanted to see at our church. And there was a resounding consensus of wanting to see youth. I was excited. I was excited about being able to invite my students to a church community that was intentional about welcoming young people. And needless to say, I committed to this church plant journey, not knowing what would come of it. Then, if you remember back five years ago with me, came our first youth group meeting, which was known as Zoe. If anyone remembers that. Carlos, Daniel, and I had planned this out. We had different um, lead, uh, leaders who committed to volunteer, like Jeannie and Curtis, if you remember. And um, we, I remember the first day our youth group uh, was meeting. Very clear to me, because I had gotten locked out of my apartment that morning, and I was freaking out because I had to go pick up my students out in Inglewood to make sure they can come with us. Um, 
God willing, I was able to get in very craftily. I climbed in on a garbage can and through my kitchen window, breaking multiple parts I didn't know could be broken in an apartment. Um, However, always God is faithful, and um, this made a really awesome get-to-know-you story for our four kids who showed up that day. Youth group continued on, comprised of students, of a lot of us teachers who are here at New Community, and our neighborhood kids, including students who attended Drake Elementary, which is the first uh, space that God called us to as New Community Brownsville. I was able to bring two of my girls from time to time to church to engage with a diverse community of adults who are interested in knowing them. The journey continued on shortly after, as we welcomed at that time a young and shy seventh grader and her super cool and tough ninth grade brother. These two were subjected to continuous corny icebreakers, an in-depth conversation about Jesus and his love for us, even as imperfect people. And while youth group took on various forms, they were a staple presence in our church. And that was amazing, to be able to see young people in our church journeying together, growing up into who are now rising senior and a legitimate adult. See, David asked to talk about God's faithfulness to us through the church. And when you ask me about how God has been faithful to me through New Community, my response is in these constant stories about our love for youth and the many ways it has taken shape. Getting to journey with young people where they are known to me and I am known to them is through God's faithfulness. Having a community where I have continuously known I can freely invite my students to join in and they will not only feel welcomed but seen That's proof of this faithfulness, to be able to invite young people and not have to be by their side every minute because you know people will engage with them, will welcome them, will talk with them, ask them questions. That's God's faithfulness. And lastly, I've experienced this faithfulness through new community because throughout this five-year journey, he has not ceased to remind me that he is bigger than what we could have ever planned for, imagined, or prepared for like how our church continues to be family to a bunch of teachers and people who work with young people and in schools. How somehow we have had the opportunity to strategically partner with an organization that is committed to young people and their faith journeys, whose key leader is a member of our church. And how written in this year's current strategic plan is a commitment to identify you youth leader for the work that he has set us out to do. Thank you. Can we really thank these five folks? And worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. Um, And uh, we're going to receive our offering right now. Uh, So ushers, if you want to go ahead and come on forward, I'm going to pray for our offering And then uh, just uh, say a couple things and we'll worship, close our time in worship before we continue our celebration over food. Uh, Lord, thank you for these stories that we've gotten to hear. Thank you for uh, just the tip of the iceberg, the ways in which your faithfulness has been woven into our lives so so intricately that most of the time we we take it for granted. We we just assume that this is how things are, uh, but but we we can forget 
that you're holding us together, that you're uh, introducing us to friends who become community to us, that you're the one who provides for us, that, that you're the one who makes something out of nothing, um, that you're the one who's responsible for this people where there once was no people. There is now the very body of Christ worshiping together. So we honor you this morning. We thank you for these stories. We uh, thank you for every other story that, um, that could be told this morning. Thanks that our experience of your faithfulness is not um, theoretical. Um, it's not invisible. Uh, it, it's not simply belief. It's not simply faith. Uh, your faithfulness is, is, is touchable. It's seeable. It's rememberable. It's, um, 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 it's, it's people and places and provision. It's things we can touch and, and see. And so we're thankful, Lord, that you... In all of your faithfulness, I never forgot about us, never got tired of us. I never walked away from us because of our faithlessness, uh, because we weren't strong enough or good enough or faithful enough. You have been a faithful. We just received that today. We just received the gift of your faithfulness. Lord, as we receive this offering, please, uh, as always, put it to work for your glory's sake, for the good of our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we're receiving uh, the offering, and before we, um, before we sing, I want to give us uh, just one more uh, scripture. Um, and for me, as I was thinking about these five years, this is the scripture that I, I came back to over and over again, and, and it'll probably make sense to you as you hear this. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, pl- pl- please try to hear these words. Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him on my worst days I'm a fool who thinks he is wise on my worst days I'm a nobody who thinks he is somebody on my worst days I'm a weak man who thinks he is strong what I've experienced over these past five years in a very tangible, again, very visceral way is that on my best days, I rejoice in my foolishness because Christ is the very wisdom of God. On my best days, I rejoice that a nobody like me could be loved by the creator of the universe. On my very best days, I rejoiced that in my great, great weakness, my God has shown himself over and over again to be strong. And I think that is our story. I think that is new community story. We're not the strongest group of people in the city of Chicago. No offense, we're not the smartest group of people in the city of Chicago. Most of us were not noble by birth, but God chose us. God chose you in your weakness, in your foolishness in your faithlessness, in your distractedness, in your sinfulness, in your brokenness. 
God chose you not out of the perfection of your friendships, out of the perfectly strong marriage that you have. God didn't choose you because you're always nice to your children. God didn't choose you because you're the perfect employee, because you never lose your temper with the students in your class. God didn't choose you because your heart's not captivated by by greed or by lust. God chose the weak things, the fragile things, the vulnerable things of this world. God chose those of us who struggle with self-hate. God chose us who struggle with prejudice, who struggle to believe. Those of us who struggle to have faith. He chose the weak and the vulnerable, the imperfect things of this world. Why? Why? So that he would receive the glory. Because we simply are not, will not ever be good enough, strong enough, perfect enough to point to anything beyond ourselves. The best you and I can ever do is point to ourselves. Out of our strength, out of our wisdom, out of the best that we have, the best you and I will ever be able to do is say, look at me. Look at what I can do. Look at what I have done. And you and I know, if we're very honest, that there's no life there. That on your absolute best day, you have nothing of lasting, permanent, life-giving value to offer anybody. But in your weakness, in my foolishness, in our vulnerability, in our crackedness, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, God receives all the glory. And in that, when people can look at Anthony and see God, now there's life. When people look at Pastor Michelle and see God, now there's healing. When people look at at Jane and see through the cracks and the crevices of her life, the one who created her, now there's hope, now there's possibility, now there's potential. God chose the weak and foolish things of this world. God chose us. And he has received the glory over these past five years. There is just no way that I, as your pastor, have anything to boast about. There just isn't. Those were nice things those people said on the screen. Marquita, I didn't know she was putting all that stuff. There is no way that I can boast about what God has done in this church. Some of you know me well enough to know, like, no, you are just not good. You are really not good enough (laughs) to get three people to show up in the room on any given Sunday, much less this beautiful, eclectic community. The same is true for us. We're just not good enough. We're just not smart. We're not patient enough. We're not nice enough most of the time to see what God has done among us. So God receives all of the glory. And when God receives the glory, men and women, our neighbors, this city, encounter us and encounter God, and there they find life. So looking forward, looking forward, no room for cockiness, no room for pride. Occasionally, I'll have people, I was at a pastor's conference this week, and people say, oh, that's great what you guys are doing, the multi-ethnic race. I'm like, yeah, it's nice, but you know what? Like, we really don't know what we're doing most of the time. And I hope we never lose that. I really do. I hope we never lose that. Because I want it to always be our Lord and Savior who receives all of, I want God to be the one who is famous. We don't need to be famous, Right? I want God to be the one who is famous, the God to be the one who is made beautiful and intriguing and compelling, because that is the only place where there is life. Amen? So moving forward, let's be a people who revel in our weakness, in our fragility, 
in our vulnerability, in our brokenness, even in our sinfulness. Let's be a people who, who don't have to act like we have figured, oh, we've been doing this five years. We, no, 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 no. Let's be a people who revel in our humanity so that God can be God. Amen? Amen. I just, I, I want to pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you have done. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for those over the course of these five years who have said yes to you for the first time, those who have said yes to you again and again. I want to say thank you, Lord, for for those who are about to walk away from you, who are about to walk away from your church, but because of what they encountered in this community, they have experienced mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace. I want to thank you very specifically for those who have found jobs and work because somebody in this church introduced them to somebody. For those who have paychecks who didn't have paychecks before. I want to thank you for those who have been rescued from isolation and loneliness. For those who know community, not in theory, but in practice. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, today for the, the way you've sustained us in hardships when we didn't know where our help would come from and we didn't know how we would be provided. Thank you for being faithful. Lord, thank you for the friendships that have been restored in this place, for those who were pushed apart, who were separated, who have found a reconciliation. Lord, I thank you for the marriages that have been on the brink and are being nurtured and and cared for where new life is being breathed. Thank you for healing sick bodies here, Lord. Thank you for healing traumatized emotions. I want to thank you specifically, Lord, for the, the, the mending the soul ministry, for the ways in which you're healing, you're healing, you're healing abused memories. Lord, thank you for making all things new. Thank you for washing away self-hatred. Thank you for exposing us and opening up our eyes to what you're doing in the cracks and the crevices of the city. Thank you for softening our hearts. Thanking us, thank you for opening up our eyes to, to the ways in which your kingdom is breaking into our lives, into this uh, city, into our communities. Would you keep doing it, God? Would you please just continue to show yourself faithful here? And through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will continue to say yes power of your Holy Spirit, we will continue to follow you closely. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will not fear what we don't need to be afraid of. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will, uh, with eyes of faith, see what you will accomplish. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will love each other. We will be patient with one another. We will demonstrate to a fractured uh, city what it looks like to be submitted to one another in love. So, Spirit of God, move. Continue to move. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.